Welcome and thank you for joining us here at Life Central. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're all about, check out our website, lifecentral.org.za or like, follow and subscribe to our social media channels. We hope this message speaks into your life and that you will find meaning and purpose through it, guiding you through your daily life. I love traveling. The excitement of seeing new things, of learning about new cultures, tasting new and exciting foods. Man, just the idea of it wants me to run out and get packing. And, and get ready to travel. I don't like flying, but I'll, you know, I'll live through the flying if it means that we get to do all those cool things, learning new things, seeing new things, experiencing new experiences. I read this definition the other day that distinguished between travelers and tourists, and I'd like to share it with you. It says the following. There's a radical difference between a traveler and a tourist. Tourist means literally one who goes in circles. He's just taking an exotic detour home. He's only passing through, sampling wares, acquiring souvenirs. He tastes more than what he eats and he retreats each night to what is safe and what is familiar. He picks up a word here and a phrase there, but the language and the world that, is he, that it's all embedded in remain opaque and cryptic and vaguely menacing. He returns to where he comes from with an album full of photos, a few mementos, and a cheap hat. He's happy to be back, and he declares that there is no place like home. Now, I realize that we might be missing out a little bit when we live that way, when we experience things that way, and so the definition of the traveler follows. A traveler is defined as or it literally means one who travails, he labors, he suffers, he endures. A travailer or a traveler is someone who immerses himself into the experience, into the culture, learning new languages and new customs, living with the locals, imitating the dress, eating what's set before him. He has gone a long time. If ever he returns, he returns ever altered. It is to that definition that I realize that Jesus has called us in this life to live as travelers and not as tourists, not to just skim over things, not to pick what we like here and there, but to actually immerse ourselves in life and to live life to the full. It is to this that, um, th that I remember uh, one of my favorite days in my life, I got to visit the Ducati factory in Bologna, Italy. And my wife bought me a t-shirt and it's one of my favorite t-shirts and I've worn it way too much. And you can actually, actually see, um, you know, it's, it's been worn a little bit too much. The, it's starting to pull a bit skiff and it, 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 there's, there's a hole starting to show here and there. And it's not a great t-shirt anymore, but I'm thinking that maybe I should create some kind of shrine for it and hang it in a prominent place in my house because it reminds me of a brilliant day. 
and it doesn't matter how great that t-shirt is and how much I love it. It is just a reminder of one of the greatest experiences of my life. I got to see the factory. I got to walk uh, the pathways where all the Ducati motorbikes come down, where all the race bikes that has ever been built, you know, came down. And, and, and be in that factory. And we got the fortunate experience of, of eating in the canteen with the Ducati workers. It was an experience that I'll never forget. I got to eat the risotto that they ate and I got to drink the Ili Crema that they drink and not understand them for about half an hour of that lunch. And it was a wonderful experience and nothing can ever take that away from me because I was immersed in the moment, I was immersed in the red of Ducati. I was immersed in the Italian speaking, in the coffee drinking, and in the risotto eating. That t-shirt is cool, but it can never replace that experience, that immersive experience. And I will be honest with you, I would have missed out so much if I just skimmed over that day and walked in and looked at everything and saw everything from afar and didn't live myself into every single moment there. And Jesus calls us literally to live our lives in the same way because he lived his life as a human being in exactly the same way. He tells us this in Luke 9 as he says, The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Jesus is saying here that he didn't just come to skim over, to be a tourist in the world, to look at, you know, he's seen suffering and he's seen hardship and he's seen happiness. And, you know, he's got some souvenirs and he's got a couple of mementos and, you know, he's going to take his cheap hat and go back home to heaven. No, Jesus had the full experience. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You don't lay your life on the line as a, you know, a non-immersive experience, as a, I'm just skipping through this life kind of experience. And Jesus challenges us in the next verse to do exactly the same as he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? See, Jesus calls us to live this immersed, engaged, <laughs> fully involved life, to experience everything that life throws at us. Now, on, if we compare life to a journey, man, on this journey of life, we get to experience many, many things. I've been fortunate that I've got to see a whole bunch of our country, um, either by motorcycle, uh, by car, um, I remember growing up, uh, I got to see a lot of our country in the back of a VW, a green VW van uh, that was kitted out for fishing. Uh, it was sometimes a good experience and sometimes we, we, we stood next to the road waiting for it to cool down. Uh, and even uh, from the back 
of, a, of, of the canopy of a Sony, a Nissan Sony Bucky. And man, it was all so much fun. I was always excited to travel. I was always excited to see new things and experience new things. But it, in these times, I realized a whole bunch of things as well. You see, the open road can be very unpredictable. The open road um, has all kinds of things that it throws at you. Uh, there is potholes, there is rain, there is wind, there is mud, there is roadworks, there is road closures and the likes. And all of these things are kind of put in your way to distract you. All of these things are kind of put in your way to make sure that you don't get to your destination in time. And man, they pain you, don't they? Now, I remember one uh, Saturday afternoon, um, it, was, it was early afternoon, we just had lunch and my dad, we were in the Sony Bucky, we were following the four by fours along the beach and my dad said, I quickly wanna go see if we can drive, drive where the big four by fours go. And he turned just left off, off the main road and followed these four by four tracks. I don't remember much of the rest of that afternoon, apart from this, at one stage, the waves was crashing into our open windows and it was the most beautiful sunset um, that I remember as, as I was thinking to myself, yes, this is an interesting way to go if you know, we're going to be taken by the waves and sucked into the sea. Fortunately, some other 4x4s saw us, hooked us up and pulled us away from the beach and out of the waves. Um, it was a very interesting afternoon. Um, another one of the travels, uh, I had the privilege of going to Tanzania and uh, it was a life-changing experience. It was a life-changing trip. We really got to be travelers rather than tourists on that trip. And I remember one of the days specifically, we had planned, sat in the office, looked at the maps, looked at the GPS, and we were sure that, you know, this little piece of road won't take us more than six to eight hours to get, to get through. You'll sleep in this town, you'll go through all of that, and you'll sleep in the next town. It turns out that what happens on the map and in the office and on the GPS is very different from the real life experience of travel. That road had all kinds of things to throw at us. And, and in more than 10 hours of being out on that road, we'd only traveled 230 odd kilometers. And we landed up sleeping in the felt somewhere that night. And um, we had locals drumming messages to each other from, from one extreme of the valley to another extreme of the valley. Those immersive experiences shape you and, and they mold you and they make you grow and they teach you a lot about yourself. Travelers learn a lot from these experiences. You see, uh, Tourists are inconvenienced. Tourists get stuck in little moments and, you know, when things break, they claim back from their travel insurance. But Jesus calling us to take up our cross, to lay down our lives is, is a call much bigger than just skimming over the top of real life. It's, it's a call to experience the good and the hard and everything in between of this life that we have been called to live. Now, I thought it would be good for us to look maybe at one of the Bible's most prolific travelers and maybe get one or two uh, lessons from his travels. The first that we can look at 
and, and probably the New Testament's most prolific traveler, was Paul the Apostle. Now, the first thing that I learned from Paul when I look at his life is that God will find you exactly where you are. Why is this so important? Well, for so many people, they feel that they are way too far from God, that their, their hurt, their shame, their pain is of such a nature that God is not able to come to them, to find them, to help them out, to help them through. God just can't reach them. And Paul's life shows us that that's just not true. You see, Paul didn't start his life as a devout Jesus follower. No, in fact, Paul was the very opposite. He was kind of a bounty hunter for Christians, for lack of a better word. He persecuted the followers of Jesus. He, uh, the first time we meet him is in Acts 8. And, and he is a young man uh, standing at the literally killing of the first martyr uh, for Christendom. In Acts 8 and verse 1, we read, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Saul here is Paul's other name. And this is the first time we're introduced to him. And he is so glad that this Christian that says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the Messiah, that he is the way forward for all people to grace and love and liberty. It's a good thing that we are eradicating this problem from the world. We don't have to wait much longer to see that Paul makes it his mission to rid the world of these followers of the way, of these Jesus, of these Jesus followers. Now he needs to bring these lies to justice. He literally becomes Jerusalem's bounty hunter for Christians. Uh, Acts 9 reads like this. Just meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As you can see, Paul was very serious about his mission. And the story continues in the next verse. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. In that one moment, Paul's whole life is turned upside down from what he knew and what he understood to something very different. As Jesus confronts him and says, hey, why are you persecuting me? Paul, I want you to be my follower. See, Paul in the next little while learns that, that the good news of God is that forgiveness is free for everyone. And that God will go to the most extreme ends to find each and every one of us, to call us to attention, to meet with us, to, uh, as, as Revelation says, to knock on our door, come in and have a meal with us. 
But the thing is, we need to allow him in. Paul there still had an option. He could say, no, I'm not interested. I'm going to run away from this light and this voice. But in that moment, he had the sense to go, wait, something much bigger than me is happening here. God got Paul's attention and he writes to Timothy as he says the following. He says, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with both faith and love that comes from Jesus Christ. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You see, God will find you wherever you are. That is one of the greatest lessons we can learn from the journeys of Paul and from our journeys in life. A second good lesson that we can learn from Paul is that suffering and pain happens on this road of life. It is, not, uh, it is not weird or strange that we encounter hurt, that we encounter the worst of the worst. In fact, Jesus told us, Jesus warned us in, Matthew, or in John 16 that in this life we will have trouble. But... He continued to say that we need to take heart because he has overcome this world. In our travels, in our average holidays, you know, we encounter pain and we encounter hurt. It's when you ate too much of that thing that you shouldn't have eaten. And, you know, that lands you in a third world hospital sometimes and, you know, makes for a great story. <laughs> but much greater things and much more hurtful things happen. Uh, it can be that, hey, you planned your trip to the T and um, you checked absolutely everything. And on the road, you realize as you hear the bursting of a tire that you didn't check the spare wheel. And so in the 40 degree heat of the Northern Cape, your resolve is tested, your resources is tested, and your reserve is all tested. You see, those things are just good parallels to real life. Man, hurt, pain, suffering, uh, injustice happens to us all. And on this journey of life, those things all have the potential to derail our journey and to turn us from travelers into tourists, into disengaged, uh, disillusioned, Angry people who just points at everybody else and goes, ah, oh, look at them trying to live life. And I don't, I don't think that they realize how bad life is and how hard life is. And I will never jump back into life. I've been way too hurt before. You see, Jesus calls us to unite our hearts with his, to unite our hearts with his pain and his suffering, and to realize that if he went through the worst of it all, to gain the greatest of it all, a relationship with you and me, man, we can take heart in those moments because he has overcome the world through what he faced. 
Paul and Barnabas taught this very principle to all the young churches that they had started. In Acts 14, we read, After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Essentially, Paul and Barnabas teaches the followers of Jesus here that an immersive way, uh, the best way to live life is an immersive way, is, 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 a, is to live life as a traveler and not a tourist, is to live life in the hurt and in the pain, and to trust God to go with you through the hurt and through the pain and through the misunderstandings and through everything that, we, that creates doubt in us. Man, those are the greatest opportunities to trust God one more time, isn't it? You see, even if the trouble is of our own making, God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. C.S. Lewis gives us good advice in this moment as he wrote in a letter. He said, as you say, the thing is to rely on God. The time will come when you will regard all this misery as a small price to pay for having been brought to the dependence. Meanwhile, the trouble is that relying on God has to begin all over again every day, as if nothing had had been done before. See, Lewis is telling us here that if we categorize the hard times of life correctly, we realize that those miseries are a small price to pay to remember that everything we face, we can turn into a dependence on our Father. Because on our own, we will run out of strength. We will run out of steam. Doesn't matter how strong we feel at the beginning of that race. At some stage when we depend on ourselves, it's all gonna become too much. And it's gonna drown us in whatever we might be facing. But God wants to come alongside us if we would just invite him to and walk with us and carry us through our darkest times to not just rescue us out of those hard times, but to take us through those hard times, to teach us what we can learn from those hard times so that we can be stronger and help others on the other side of those hard times. The psalmist sums it up like this. He says, my health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Suffering and pain happens. It's to be expected. But what is also to be expected is that the God of the universe is right there in the wings waiting to encourage us with love, strengthen us with peace, and help us every step of the way. The third lesson of the road that I'd like to share with you today is that detours still gets us to our destination. I think back on that Tanzania trip, um, that day that we spent struggling through the sand, uh, struggling through the hard everything. Uh, there was roadworks, there was, uh, fortunately, was an anim well, there was animals on the road too. Uh, we got stuck, we fell over, we crashed, we bent things straight, we fixed things with cable ties and, and a leatherman. 
it was, it was quite an adventure. And we got through it. It was hard, but we got through it. And we got to our destination all the way up close, or all the way to the banks of, of Lake Victoria. And, and we met there with the people of the Jesus Farm, and we had a wonderful time uh, uh, hanging out with them and, and watching the premieres of, of two of the Jesus Form translations. But while we were there, in the back of your mind, you remembered that day, that hard day, that tough day that, that waits for you as you're going to go back home. And in sharing our harrying tale, somebody, one of the local guys, stopped us and said, but, but there's a brand new highway. If you, from, from, from the side that we were traveling now, just traveled maybe 10 or 15 k's down the road, you turn off the main road, um, and instead of going to the west of the national park that you couldn't go through, you go to the east of the national park, where a brand new Chinese highway has been built. We did not know of this highway. Um, my map did not show this highway. In fact, my GPS didn't know about this highway. And when we traveled back home, sure, as a road in the middle of nowhere, there was a road in the middle of nowhere on my GPS. And it carried us on this brand new strip of pavement, uh, tar pavement, through the most beautiful baobab forest. And what took us two days to travel on the east, uh, on the west side of the national park, took us mm, a few hours on the other side of the national park. The thing is, that detour, man, we learned a lot, and I would not swap that experience for anything, but man, it was good to have the other road going home. I can promise you that much. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Israel shows us a very similar story. Um, Israel had spent years and years and years in slavery in Egypt. God rescues them miraculously from that slavery. God then uh, rescues them from their pursuers and takes them miraculously again through the Red Sea and drowns all their enemies right behind them. Days later, they completely forget that this miracle-working God has just saved them, rescued them, fed them, and taken care of them. And they start complaining, and they start getting caught up in the inconvenience of living in the desert. This discontent causes them to lose an entire generation out there in the desert. A journey that could have taken them a, couple, a few days, maybe at worst a few weeks, to cross the desert as a nation and move into God's promise for them. They landed up circling. Interesting that <laughs> they were circling <laughs> the desert for 40 years. And they lost an entire generation because they were discontent and they weren't happy with what God had for them. Instead of immersing themselves in the very thing that God has called them to, seeing it through and entering the promise that God has made to them. You see, God is, is very, very willing to take care of us. God is very, very willing to, to help us through our worst. God is very, very willing to show us a few detours that, man, they stress us out to no end, but we know that there's peace beyond the stress. And I want to challenge you 
to lay those challenges before God and to say to him, Lord, help me. I, I don't see the way forward. Lord, will you lead me by your peace? Because when Israel slowed down enough to hear God, he led them through some of the craziest battles, through some of the most insane things into the promise by his peace, by his spirit. And so I want to say there's, there's a peace waiting for you. If you will take the detour that God is showing you, it's not going to be easy, but man, it's going to be worth it. Now, God's promise, his best, lays on that road, on that detour that leads us to that promise, his destination. But it's going to take us taking him up on his offer and following him through some of the hardest stuff that we have ever faced. Now, I want to challenge you. Will you be willing to immerse yourself in the experience? Accept the challenges. Lean into new things. It might take a long time, but we are here for the journey. We're always looking to learn and to grow on this road of life that God is leading us along. Will you join me for that challenge? Uh, you might ask, what is my next steps? Well, if you are seeing that God has found you where you are today and not where you want to be, lean into that. Allow yourself to be found. Hear what God is telling you today and follow Him. If you think that that past, that hurt, that pain is stealing from you, if you're starting to realize that Man, those things are crippling me. Know today that God is finding you. <laughs> and He is way more in store for you than what that pain and that suffering is. Lastly, if you're facing a scary detour, submit your will to God and allow His peace to lead you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come and we can trust you on this journey of life. Lord, as these are three simple lessons, Lord, I thank you that you come and you grab our attention where we're at, Lord. Lord, that you will show us that our suffering and our pain, although it's part of life, Lord, you will take it and you will use it, Lord, to, for us to grow from and for others to learn from, Lord God. Lord, I pray that whatever the detours are that people are facing, Lord, the detours of their own creation or the detours that just you've allowed, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that they will hear you, follow your leading and find your peace. And Lord, ultimately find your promise at the end of that road. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind you that God is with you every single step of this journey. Allow Him to lead you, to guide you, to grow you through it. We love you and we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening in to the Life Central podcast today. If you would like to get connected or get involved, follow us on social media or visit our website, lifecentral.org.za. We hope you join us here again next week.